Worldwide Youth Radio. Hello and welcome to this episode of Youth Talk, brought to you by Kids Count UK and the Worldwide Youth Radio. Each week we discuss big issues facing the youth of today. All these podcasts are available on our website, worldwideyouthradio.com, and also on your favourite podcast provider. If you are listening to this live, do go and check out our other ones, as we have just, uh, as I've just told you. And of course, do tell your friends all about this show. Worldwide Youth Radio. On today's episode of Youth Talk. We are talking about housing, and I think in particular uh, student housing, but we probably will touch. This will cover other uh, housing as well. Us at Worldwide Youth Radio, we have created a step-by-step guide in looking for your student house or house, whatever you're going for, particularly shared housing. Maybe you might go for a studio that you're living on your own. Maybe you'll be living with your best friends, or maybe you could just be living with anyone random. We are going to be here discussing this all today, and we are joined by two yeah, young people from universities. Uh, for legal reasons tonight, we will not be naming them. Uh, we are joined with Erin and Rachel. Good evening, or good morning, whatever time people are listening to this. Um, how are you doing this uh, day, Rachel? I don't know. I don't know what to call it, morning or <laughs> afternoon, because this is a podcast. Good day, Rachel. <laughs> Good day to you. Um, yeah, no, I am fine. I've just spent the day attempting to do some of my lectures, do some revision. So, yeah. Very good, very good. Getting that, getting to that midpoint of semester now. It's it's the hard it's the hard point where everything starts kicking in, and you realise you haven't done everything you needed to do. And <laughs> yeah. um, what about you, Erin? How's things been going? Yeah, okay. Um, I've just been trying to focus. I've got two assessment deadlines next Friday. So I've just been trying to focus on those and try and manage my time between the two of them. So, but yeah, it's, it's all good. Very good, very good, very good indeed. Um, so let's ask you, where, what sort of accommodation are you living in this year, Rachel? Um, this year I am living in private rented accommodation. But in the meantime, Erin, what sort of accommodation are you in this year? Um, I'm sort of in a similar similar situation. Um, I'm in a flat, and there's five of us. So, okay. But yeah, it is privately rented. Did you did you both say you're in a flat, or did Rachel? Did you say you're in a, in a house? No, I am in a flat. In a flat, yeah. Um, is that is that like a student accommodation, or is it just like a residential flat? No, it's a residential okay. flat. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, okay, so we have created. Well, I'll add what I'm in. I'm in a student house with four people. Um, that's where I am. Uh, did you all guys go through halls in first year of university? Is that the first one? Yeah, they're all nodding their heads. And did anyone else been in any different type of accommodation, or is it just been is it just been halls and what you are in now? Yeah. So I last year lived in a five bed student house. Oh wow. Okay. And Erin, has it just been uh, four? Yeah, I was in a six bed house wow. last year. And Loads. Down to a, yeah. A flat. Yeah, it was. For a lot of us. There. <laughs> um, okay, let's go through the step-by-step guide. I'll ask questions for our share. We're all going to share some advice. If there's any questions you have on this podcast, because I think this, as a podcast, you might actually have questions about, you can send us a message on our website. If you'd like to have your say on today's discussion, send us a message at www.worldwideyouthradio.com forward slash contact. 
Okay, let's go through the step-by-step guide. We're going to start off with step one. Uh, this is, before you begin searching for houses, establish your needs and wants. I think this is literally the most important step to begin with. Um, okay, so what about what's this all about? So what you need to do is what things do you need versus what things do you want in the house? That's so hard to figure out the needs and the wants to separate those. But the examples of this could be, do you need to be close to the uni or train station? Perhaps you've got loads of early 9 a.m. starts. Um and you don't really want to have a long commute into uni. So maybe you need to be near a bus or, or by a uh, train station so you can get commuting in. Or maybe you just need to live closer to that uni so you don't have to commute at all. Um, maybe you, you maybe you want a car parking spot. That could be like an extra little thing you want. Or you could have a shed maybe if you're a bit more eco-friendly to park your car, uh, park your bike in. It'd be quite impressive. You could park a car in a shed, wouldn't it? Um, and do you prefer being close to uni or don't mind walking hopped up to half a mile? I know if I walk into campus, it's a good 40-minute walk, but it's, it's, it's very it's great for the mental health. Going back to our first podcast, self-care, one of my favourite things to do. Um, okay, let's go to Erin. What, what, what were your needs and wants when you looked for accommodation? Um, the main things for me were... Um, I mean, I actually wasn't too fussed about being close to the accommodation because I stayed, my first year halls was off campus anyway. Um, So I was used to sort of commuting in, getting the bus and I was used to that routine. So in my second year, we stayed, we were only like around the corner from where we were in first year. Um, And I guess the main thing for us really was space in Mm -hmm. um, in the buildings because you can you do find that especially because we're with there's five of us this year and we were six last year um we we wanted a bit more space and sometimes because we were quite a big number the space was quite limited so that for me that was and also because i'm a music student i have a lot of instruments and everything that i need to keep in my room and if it was too small i wouldn't be able to do that so did you think location was important for you yes and no i tended to decide on location based on the safety um, and sort of like crime stats Um, but I wasn't too fussed about how far from uni I was or um, yeah. Interesting you say about crime stats how did you go about finding those? Um, So I just googled the um, road that I was um, living on um, and just put crime stats and there are lots of websites that have different that cover different um, things they break it up into all of the different sections um so it's and there are a lot of like government approved websites as well so you're not oh, really. some... i will admit that's not something something i ever checked but you know what i'm in the process of sorting my postgraduate accommodation out i'm gonna do that tonight <laughs> um um okay rachel what about you what was your needs and wants when looking for an accommodation or house well, I think one thing to say, my needs and wants have definitely changed since okay. I moved out of my first year uni accommodation, because my first year uni accommodation was a really nice room, I had a double bed, I had an ensuite, and so my standards were quite high after I left my uni accommodation. But then as I've gone through university, my standards have dropped and dropped and dropped as I've realised what is actually important and what isn't. So. For me, being close to university, like Erin said, it's not much of a problem for me. I live yeah. 50 minutes out from uni now. But oh, wow. Last that's year, a, I only lived. Is that a walk, 50 yeah. minute walk? Wow. Do you, do you do yeah. walk? I mean, I know at the moment it's hard, but do you walk that? 
yeah so it's not really that far because where I used to live in my hometown it was about 40 minutes to get from my house anywhere anyway so it wasn't a massive problem but in first year I really didn't Mm. be more than 10 minutes walk away so I made sure that the house I found was Mm. really close that's interesting um so you mentioned but your needs are changing Erin did your needs change at all did yeah I think I yeah for me it was just I think my main focus was like the kitchen and the living area because I wanted well actually I suppose they did change because the in um in my second year we we didn't particularly like the house we were living in it was dark and cold yeah um Mm -hmm. but so this year we really focused on something that was sort of light um it was it was warm but also spacious there was sort of a better sort of energy in this house than there was last year. I completely understand that. Um, I, for personally, my needs, are comp- my, my, my wants completely changed. Um, and it leads us very nicely down to step two. Is found my, I found my second year accommodation not to be the greatest value for money. Absolutely lovely, lovely house. It kind of resembled a Starbucks in a weird way. It just the interior design was very Starbucks. <laughs> um but it was expensive. So that brings us on to step two. Take a look at your finances and come up with your min and ma- minimum and maximum rental budget. So some tips on this would be living with more people will probably decrease the monthly cost of the rent. Whereas living with fewer people, it might make it more expensive. <clears throat> what is your absolute max monthly budget? What is your ideal budget? What is the average rental price of properties in the area? And is your budget realistic? Also important to consider are bills in your rent or do you need to pay them on top so rachel how important is a budget for you budget is really important uh i think i've lost you can you hear me now yeah i can hear you yeah (laughs) brilliant um so what i was saying is budget is really important especially i think for people going for postgraduate degrees as well Mm -hmm. because we get less of a maintenance loan so I think at first I was sort of okay because I think it would be fair to say I didn't really understand the value of money without that sounding awful. I think I was quite lucky in the sense that like my parents had offered to help pay for my yes. first year accommodation and I know I was incredibly lucky to be able to have that support but as I went through my degree I wanted to be more independent so whilst my parents will still help me out if I ask for it and they do still help me out now I pay for the majority of it on my own because that's something I want to make sure I can do. And so therefore my budget is important because having a lower budget means I can pay for it for myself. Yeah, interesting. And uh, going on to Erin, what about you? Do you think budget is important? I I think it's really important. And actually I've only really realised in the last sort of, well, since the start of my third year, just how important it is. Um, I sort of in a similar similar position to Rachel I didn't really understand the value of money and but it's 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 hard because you have mm-hmm. it's, it's really difficult to explain yeah. this house because it's a five bed it's it is cheaper than what we had last year um, but at the same time in this house the bills are included which last year they weren't so and that actually so that is actually something that is really important to consider because i remember last year we were told that 
we had a set budget for the um, bills and if we went over that we'd have to pay and we, we said oh, wow. when we were signing the contract like is this normally enough and they were like yeah it's fine people get through it we we ran out of it in by november um so from november we were paying our own bills um november which, yeah so which, two months what, two months into which is why our house was so cold because we couldn't afford to have the heating on there must have been i'm sorry there must have been a mistake something must have been read wrong well they they i i will not mention names but they were not a great company no but that it's student housing i mean they tried to charge us 50 pounds for leaving a pen under the beds um for from our deposit a singular pen was 50 pounds <laughs> so they they really do just want wow sort of money they can get but luckily i i haven't heard of any other landlord that is as bad as, as they are that sounds um <laughs> sounds interesting that um did you try and argue with them about it? I spent a lot of time yeah, I'm sure you did, arguing yeah. with them. And the one issue that always sticks in my mind was we had a water leak. The water main was leaking at the front of our house mm. um, in January, which meant we had no hot water and no heating for the two coldest weeks in January. And we were emailing every day to get it fixed. Um, and... They just refused to answer our calls, refused to answer emails. Um, so, but I, I did, and I'm, I'm lucky that my mum's a lawyer, so I knew that if I needed her to, she could get involved and argue it legally. Um, but yeah, they just, it's, we, we did argue, but they were, they were very stubborn. Uh, it must have been absolutely awful though, um, trying to sort it all out. Uh, I mean, hopefully this year you're having a much better experience. Um, do you consider, do you think having cheaper accommodation usually brings a smaller room? Um, I'll go to, I'll ask Rachel, do you think Do you think cheaper is smaller and worse? Or do you think actually sometimes cheaper can be better? I think it depends. I think the one thing I've learned, I mean, hopefully I think we're going to talk about, is the cost of a property is not just down to the size of the room. It's yeah. due to like the overhead or the estate agent want to charge it's down to the location if it's near a train station if it's not and all of that can impact it so my friend and i we found a really great house that was probably about 350 to 400 pounds a calendar month yeah it had a fantastically spacious living room whatever it was really close to university it didn't end up working out for whatever reason but that place was far cheaper than where I currently live and arguably had better facilities because it had a garden and everything like that. So I don't think cheaper means worse necessarily. You just have to do your research. Yeah, very interesting. Um, let's go on to our next step, finding your housemates. So you've all changed, I guess, who you're living with because you've downsized. Maybe you're living with some of the same people. What, what do you think some important steps about finding your housemates? Because you've obviously changed in the in the past couple of years. Erin, what do you, you think is important about housemates? Um, the main thing for me is that we can all get on. I don't I don't like dealing with arguments. I, I just, it just doesn't help the stress of uni and especially living in a pandemic as well. Yes. You just don't need added stress if you're arguing with the housemates. Um, I also think that you so, you need to have some similarities in terms of 
cleaning and mm-hmm. um, sort of noise levels um, because you are living together. It's everyone's shared space. And if it's down to a few people to do all the jobs, that is going to cause arguments no matter how much you get on. And how do you figure to sort that out? Because how do, how, how do you know if you're going to be able to live with someone? How what, 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 what can you do to identify that before you I, sign a contract? See, I... I signed my contract for my second year house in October of first year. So I'd, I'd been at uni or October, November. I'd been there eight weeks. I didn't live with anyone that I lived with in first year. I moved in with people that were three floors above me. Yes. Yep. Um, and so I had no idea how I was going to get on with them. Um, but I sort of, I spent time with them in their flat, sort of got used to, how they like to do things and then I think sort of adapted that to the way that I do and it's it's you do have it's compromise you do have to like if someone's in a lecture I'm not going to be singing and playing guitar at the top of my (laughs) voice because yeah like that it's it's not fair um but at the same time if I'm in a lecture they won't be screaming down the corridor so which has happened a couple of times but it's all fine (laughs) um so yeah I think it's it is trial and error and there are going to be disagreements no matter what happens. But I say if you can hold off as long as you can on signing a contract for like from first year going into second year, if you're living in um, halls and like student accommodation, then that I personally think is the best thing to do because a few weeks, a few months into it, you don't really know people still. You're still trying to get to like, you're still getting settled in. You're still getting to know everyone um and you don't really see what people are really like for a little while afterwards but most of the time it works out and if it doesn't work out there are options do you think there's too much pressure on students to sign a contract earlier in their semester yeah (laughs) i really think there is and because my sister's in first year at the moment and i remember saying to her i was like wait on your accommodation just just don't don't get pulled in everyone's saying you have to rush to sign it early it's not true. Yeah. It's it's just like I mean cuz in where I'm at uni there are five unis in the area. There is a lot of accommodation like you you won't go without a house. It's the it's just it, there is that whole everyone gets scared and everyone gets panicked and everyone's like oh like who are you living with the next year and it's it's a massive excitement. But so, as I say, we signed it in October, November of first year. And then last year, we didn't sign our contract until March. Yeah. And we actually got a much better place this year than we did last year. That's interesting because a lot of times I hear students saying that you have to sign it quickly because the quality of houses, the only good good quality, like the nice houses, are only there for the first few months. And you have to act quick to get those nice houses. Yeah, there might still be houses. Is that true? Do you think there's still nice houses now? Like, well, we're in April pretty much now. Yeah, I think there are because, I mean, like, I mean, the one that we're in now, this is a new build and we were the first people in here. But in November, they wouldn't have been advertising this house yet. Not every company advertises their houses straight away. So, and also people sign contracts or people say they're going to sign a contract, things, they don't sign it, things sort of fall through. And then there is a lot of sort of shifting throughout the year. So, but yeah, as I say, I mean, there is, there is a lot of pressure and there is that initial rush to, to sign a contract, but 
try not to fall into it. <laughs> um, and what about you, Rachel? How important is housemates for you? I think housemates are incredibly important. Um, my well, in my first year, I really got on well with my group of students who lived in the accommodation. So five of us decided that we were going to live together. And I'm still in contact with every single one of my first year flatmates. Mm -hmm. And I know we were really lucky in that sense because I heard horror stories about people who didn't get on. Um, so I moved in with my first year flatmates in my second year. And Ellie, I she was then the only one that I ended up moving out of that house of five people into this house. But also on a similar kind of theme about when you have to find housing, Ellie and I decided in May 2020 that we wanted to move house. And within two weeks, we'd found a new flat, which was this one, and we'd signed a contract and we moved in in June. So it was last minute and you can still find a really but decent place weren't you last still, minute. Did, what, were your house, what were you doing about your old house? Because that's quite last minute to change house. Most people do sign a new contract quite early on, like it would have been 2019, probably when most people do. So had your previous house not signed a future contract? No. So what happened with that house is like a lot of people, we signed that first contract and then come mm. the October of second year, we all decided we were going to sign again. Okay. So we signed a new contract for another academic year. So, so this, 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 yeah, now. Yeah. So mm. I should have been living in that house now, but May time, obviously the pandemic kicked off in March. We were all finding it really difficult dealing with things, not together. Like we all got on really well together and Ellie's year abroad um, didn't go ahead because of COVID. And we sort of had a conversation initially saying, oh, wouldn't it be great to live together in our final year? And then we were kind of like, well, why not? Why don't, let's just take a leap of faith. Why not just move? And it was the most risky thing I've ever done to just up sticks and go. But we ended up finding a replacement tenant for me in the other house. And we just moved at the last minute. How's, so. how's your previous house felt about the new tenant being brought in? To be honest, I think they got on quite well because we sort of held like housemate interviews. Okay. So we put out an advert for somebody like saying, these are the kind of people we are and this is who we want to move in. And we kind of interviewed, I think, five or six people and the boys decided Never who they wanted to move in. It wasn't cool. like that's interviews, cool. but well, I guess yeah, I that's what, what it was. <laughs> um, and that's what I did as well for this year. So my friends and I, we had a couple of spaces in the house to fill. So we did interviews again and found some lovely people. Um but yeah, I think I think the others found it a little bit of a shock because obviously I had signed the contract and I wasn't intending on leaving and the mm. situation that arose ended up that I moved. But everything worked out in the end. I still talked to the people I used to live with. Like, it was fine. So let's, that was step three, find your housemates. So here's some top tips from us at the Worldwide Youth Radio. Just because you're best friends with someone, this doesn't make them the perfect housemate. Think about your priorities. Are you a tidy or messy person? Do you wake up early or not? Now, with that one, I'm a person who wakes up early. And my house, we've got some people who wake up like mid-morning, mid then a couple of people who wake up in the afternoon. I actually, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing if some of your house wake up early and some of them wake up late. Because it actually then just spreads out the day. Like, we only have one bathroom. So if we all woke up in the morning, there would be a massive disaster. Like, if everyone woke up when I woke up, there would be a queue at the bathroom, but luckily we've no one's ever had to queue for the bathroom, so it's been good. Anyway, uh, I'm uh, digressing. So try to choose housemates that are your friends, but also people who are going to have similar routines to you. 
if you got on with the people in your uni accommodation, would you live with them again? That is what I did in first year into second year, but we chose to go separate ways in third year, and I'm now living with people I'd call closer friends. If you're a final year student, finding housemates can be hard. If you, half your friends are graduating, consider posting on Facebook groups to find other students in different years who are looking for a room. Hold interviews if necessary to get to know them. That's something I've never considered doing, but I would actually now in the future. So let's move on now to step four. On the theme of finances, roughly consider the extra bills you'll have to account for. Now, this is something I have never had to really consider because I've already always had all-inclusive bills. However, I have got caps. I will it will I won't have to start paying if I go over that. Thankfully, we are now in March and I haven't got over that cap yet and our heating is now off now and hopefully it won't be going back on this year. Um so hopefully that won't happen. But let's go Erin. I feel like you're going to have a few things to say about this. Consider extra bills. How do you how do you go about that? Um I would definitely make a decision as to whether I'd talk to the landlord and or um yeah and just sort of say is there a cap are all bills included or do we have to pay from the start um and I think the you always use more than you think you're going to yes um we as I say so last year we ran out of our entire year's budget by November um which (laughs) (laughs) it and and that was having the heating on for maybe two hours a day oh really Um, yeah yeah so it's (laughs) i'm not naming names but it just see be careful be careful is all Mm. i can say but then you won't know until until you go for it but on that note talk to the people that are living in the accommodation i think this is one that's going to we'll sort of mention later but Mm. especially on bills and stuff if you can talk to whoever's living there at the moment and say Mm. how have you found the electricity um like if it is capped for example because then you know okay we will use about the same amount we will use less and because i mean as i say we were a house of six so that's like a lot of water, a lot of heating, um, and and yeah, I mean, my, we just congregated in the kitchen most of the time because people were cooking, and it was the warmest room in the house. Um, either that, or we were sat in our beds to try and keep warm. But I, I really think talking to the landlord, or even talking to um, parents or people in sort of older years who have experience and roughly know how much is being spent, um, I think, or or Google it, or just try and get as much advice as you can. Now any sources you can. I don't wanna I don't want people to be scared listening into this podcast. Erin is the first person I've ever heard, and I know a lot of students whose bills have run out in November. It's extremely unlikely, and I think Erin just had some very bad luck with that. But we did. We we had we had that that house was so. not the right house. Mm. But it's it is so it's it's really rare. After it's this, really rare. After this recording, I'm going to ask you which landlord it was. But we're not going okay. to do that on recording. <laughs> no, no. But they've also the thing is they're so sneaky. They've changed their name. Oh, have they? 
Yeah, I have a, or they're I have going a, under like three different names now. I have a sneaky idea what it is, and I might just write it down on a piece of paper, so I'm going to ask you later. Okay, <laughs> that... yeah. Um, <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Do you have to pay for bills at your university? Because you are at, I will, I'm not going to specify which university you're at, but you are a different town and city to where Erin is. Yeah, I have to say, actually, <clears throat> sorry, I have never heard of bills being included. That was oh, something really? that was very odd to me. Yeah. <clears throat> like, if you could see my face, you would see that, actually, I was like, oh, my goodness. So all of the uh, rental properties that we've been looking at, you have to pay your own bills. So the only thing that the landlord will cover is the rent. Obviously, you pay the rent. And then you're in charge of sorting your gas, your electricity, your water, any TV licenses, any Wi-Fi we are completely in charge of sorting all of that. So you really do have to do your research and look at the market to really figure out which energy companies are more expensive and which wow. are cheaper. <clears throat> right. So how, how do I do Right. Me and Eric never done this before. How Tell tell future students and house land. What do you call them? People who rent in a house. I can't think of the technical name. Tenants. Tenants. That's the word for it. Tell future tenants, student tenants, how you go about this. Top tips. Go. <laughs> Okay, so number one piece of advice, do not use energy price comparison sites. They are useless because everyone always falls into this trap. They compare based on what you're currently spending. If you're living in university accommodation, you're obviously not spending anything because the uni are paying for it. So you have nothing to compare to. So there's no point. So that would be my number one tip. Number two. So where do you you go to then? Or is this going to be like... Yes, that's my number two. So make sure when you're looking around, look at the unit rates and the charge per unit. Because Is that that like kilowatts and stuff like that? Yeah, so you'll have energy companies. Some of them will charge like 17p. This is a very random figure I'm Mm -hmm. picking out. And others will charge nearly double. The actual energy you use won't necessarily change but the different energy companies will charge different percentages on top of the baseline fee. So what you want to do is you want to look for the company that has the lowest price per kilowatt hour or lowest unit fee and unit rate. Um, So that's where I would say go on to the individual energy supplier websites or have a look which is a really good website to have a look at the cheapest ones for that year. And have a look at some of the cheapest ones and you can type in like your postcode, how many people are living in that house. And it will give you a rough estimate for how much they think you'll be spending and do that for your different energy companies to work out which has the cheapest unit rate and which will give you the better deal. Very interesting. Now, what I have heard about, I'm not an expert in this because I've never had to do it, but energy, electricity, water um, and gas all comes regardless of what company you're at it was all the same it all comes from the same source because you know i mean a certain company can't just go and plug in electricity into your house it is from the same grid from the same source so what i have heard you are essentially paying for customer service that is essentially what you are paying for um i mean yeah the money goes into where i mean obviously the different companies source that electricity but we won't go into that but um <laughs> do you think it's sometimes it's worth not going for the cheapest one because you might get a better delivery and product if you go a little, just go a little bit more expensive. Do you know what? Before this year, I would have totally agreed with you. Mm-hmm. But this year, and I wish I could name names of the energy supplier yeah. because they have been fantastic. Well, you, if it's if they've been good, you can name the name. That's fine. Okay, so Octopus Energy, Never ten out of. of ten would recommend them. Nobody's ever heard of them. 
And looking at them, you think, oh my goodness, they're not going to know what they're doing. They have the best unit rates and the cheapest energy by far. They have really good customer service. I have not had an issue with them. And yes, you're correct, everyone. You're basically paying for the for the name of the company, basically. Yeah. And you'll get some companies which are easily double what Octopus Energy charge, some really well-known ones. But actually, you're not going to guarantee better experiences with them. And I'd say always go off recommendation as well. So I would 10 out of 10 recommend Octopus Energy. Um, but yeah, that's just my own <laughs> personal are, experience. I will just say this, there are other companies out there. But yes, take, don't take Rachel's word for it, but she could be right. <laughs> do do your yeah, research. And, yeah, do, do, do your, your research. research. Look at the unit rates. Look at how much yes. it costs. Yeah. Ring up the people, find it out. <laughs> um, I will point this out as well, because as students, we don't, have to pay for council tax that's if you're an undergraduate student and a hopefully postgraduate student as well i think it is postgraduate as well yes it is um but to point out if you are going to be staying in your accommodation between your tenancy of an undergraduate to postgraduate you are actually in need of paying council tax um i know some i know some students who do try and get away with it and i know some students have been called out on that so do pay your council tax if you are no longer a student um, okay, let's move on to step number five. Check out some different locations and as a group, think about want, what you want your house to look like. So in my second year house, we went for a very designer house. Stunning magazine, you know what I mean? It could have been, it could have been in, a, uh, co- in a coffee book, you know what I mean? You know, one of those coffee table books. It, it, was, it was very nice. It was a show, it was a show house. I was, paying, I was paying that price for it. I had a very small room and in my third and it also wasn't necess- it was in a student area but it wasn't in the main student area um there wasn't many uh, bars or pubs or anything around there it was it, it was for the students but for some reason the the yeah, the life the student lifestyle didn't really copy and wasn't there so in third year i decided to move into the the bigger student area where there's a lot of bars a lot of restaurants not saying i've been able to use them this year but i am in that area now i'm paying about 10 pound 15 pound cheaper i'm getting a bigger room um so that is something to consider um so one of the tips i would say is check out the local area go and visit that first but let's go to erin erin what tips would you have when choosing your location of the house as a group um as i've sort of said before like checking crime stats is Mm -hmm. up there um i mean nowhere is gonna be 100 percent safe but there are steps you can take to make sure that you are as safe as you can be um i think another thing i would consider is if you have people like friends in other houses Mm -hmm. and you'll know you know where they're living if you want to stay close to them, then sort of look around there. If that area is recommended, then this, like, as, as you said, sort of like go around and visit it, sort of see what's around. Um, in our case, we sort of wanted to be close to the park. So we were like, we'll look around there. We'll look, we're not far from, as you say, sort of like the other student, we're, we're in a student based area but it's not the most studenty area yeah so as you say like we don't have like pubs bars anything really that close to us um but there are a lot of students living around here and that is because of the the five universities in the area (laughs) um so 
yeah, I think check out different locations as well because you might fall in love with one area and then actually there's another one that's literally right next door, but it's better for these particular reasons. And Rachel, do you think the way the house looks is important? No, I would say on the basis of my experience at first, I was very much under the impression that if it looks nice on the outside, it will be nice on the inside. But our house that we had one year, it didn't look all that nice from the outside. We were kind of a bit skeptical. We thought, oh, my goodness. But when you went inside, it was almost like a show home. It was beautiful. So I don't think it matters. And also on the same kind of topic of location, I would say it's really important as well have a walk between where your university is and your actual accommodation because we found in our first year that the only way to get to university from our house was down loads and loads of unlit alleyways which obviously for many reasons was not very safe so we made sure to plan like okay how do we get there via a well-lit road versus during the day actually is it safe to walk down those alleyways and we spoke to lots of students who lived near that area to ask what areas were safe and what areas weren't safe and what areas we should avoid so definitely i would suggest talking to people that live in the area currently um that's really interesting point i think that's definitely a good point especially maybe at the moment you aren't able to go and visit a house directly i mean i think if you're in a t- in the town you're able to do that but if you are moving to university you can just always go on um, on google maps being maps or whatever map provider i'm not aware of and you can actually have a look on street view for example and you can map out the route it's not obviously as good as doing it in person but you can get a feel if as Rachel said, if you are going to be having to walk down an alley, um, or is there a, um, a different route you could take, perhaps, um, which isn't that inconvenient? Obviously, you don't really want to be doing that, but um, you can always go and have a look at that online. Right, big question. It divides a lot of people. Communal, communal bathroom. How many do you need per per people in the house? Is it like, what's the ratio? One bathroom per two people. One bathroom per three people one bathroom per four people what i have is what do you think is a good ratio erin um i mean or one I, or one for yourself <laughs> well i had an ensuite in first year which was Very it was nice. great like i'm not gonna lie it was it was nice um but then last year and this year between six and five people we have two bathrooms okay um and i think that's actually worked really well for us um it's yeah it's I think one between two to three is sort of the right ish sort of number but then am I wrong with one and four no because there's <laughs> only four of you in the house but if there were eight of you I think there should have been there should be three bathrooms rather than two okay okay That's that makes my... that makes sense yeah but yeah. like four to one is okay if there's only four in the house okay. yeah but if there's eight you sort of you want more than two have you um I, there is actually some houses where there's two kitchens i've i've viewed a 10 bed house where i had two kitchens which was very interesting but i've i've not heard of that (laughs) yeah i've I've viewed a very you know i said my second year house was a show house a designer house this was off the scale this how how nice this house was um it was was cheaper than university accommodation but it was stupidly priced it was in the middle of town as well uh, but it was a, it was an it was an amazing house. Um, it it was a it was a TV house. Anyway, Rachel, what about you? Are bath a shared bathrooms okay? Yeah, no, I think so. 
Um, in our house last year, there were five of us, and we had one bathroom, I... so like one with bath and shower, and then we had one toilet downstairs. Okay. Um, so that's definitely it worked for us because of what you've said as well. We didn't all need the bathroom or to use the shower basically at the same time, um, and we would quite often have lots of people over. So regularly there would be say 10 of us in the house on an afternoon or whatever. And we never, ever, ever had an issue with bathrooms. So I think it is that thing that everyone always panics about going from university accommodation going, Oh my gosh, are we going to have enough bathrooms? But you will, you'll be fine. I think one between one bathroom between five and a toilet as well will be fine. All right. Okay. Let's move on to step number six. That is, that is the important one of starting to search for your house. So you can use many websites which are available, Rightmove, OpenRent, Zoopla, even Facebook. Um, and there's actually usually a specific uni accommodation, student accommodation rental sites in your whichever town you're in. Usually, I know the university I am at and my postgraduate university as well, they both have... Um, like recommended websites to use as well, which is I think is a really useful step to go with those. I personally find the houses aren't that nice on them, but they are recommended, and I know people have had good experiences going that path. Um, properties will be listed with photos, um, well they should be. Not all of them have. In this case, you should really call the estate agent, ask for more information. Um, sometimes there is a reason why there's no photos listed, so it could raise alarm bells. But you know, what I mean, it might not do. So it's worth. Uh, ask you can filter by price per calendar per month location amenities you can filter by quite a lot um so you can like take all the steps you've done from beforehand and filter it out i love going looking at properties it's one of my hobbies to do and i love just going around on the maps and having a look and it's quite interesting to have a look at other i think a good step is to have a look at other houses on the same road to see if it's good value for money if it's not usually you find a good price sometimes there'll be a property which is 10 pound more it might be nicely decorated but you could say 15 20 quid if you go for something just more standard mongolia walls um yeah so then narrow down to some houses top three or four maybe more maybe less and as a group share your timetable and work out when you're all three at the same time um, you'll need to visit info when organising your house viewings. So before I move on to step seven, which is contacting the estate agents or letting agents to arrange house viewings, do you guys have any tips about searching for houses that we didn't just cover then? No? Everyone happy with that? Okay, cool. Uh, I think that was quite a self-explanatory one. Um, I think everyone, I think I think as a hobby of students to search for houses. I, think, I just think people do it anyway, especially expensive ones that no one can afford. You can dream about. Anyway, <laughs> step number seven, contact estate agents to arrange house viewings. So arrange in person for viewings of all the properties you like the look of. Before signing anything, it is a good idea to see the house in person. At the moment, not all uh, letting agents are doing this in person, so you can do video viewings. I actually had a video viewing today. It's a very interesting experience, but I can reassure you it is almost as good as seeing it in person, almost as good, but I think still seeing it in person is the best way to do it. Ideally, aim to organise viewings for days when you can all make it. Now, this is something when I viewed houses, I've always been the only person who can ever make it, and I've always had to make that decision off my own back, which is always very annoying anyway. Um, nominate one person in the group to be in charge of all the calling and an email estate agents. This person needs to know what's going on at all times. This person should be aware 
of the needs and wants of the whole group and be able to make minor decisions on the group uh, on their own. At this stage of the house hunting process is very time consuming, so make sure you have the time to be doing this. So maybe doing this during the exam season is not quite the best time to be doing it. Create a group chat, if you haven't already, where you can share all the information which is likely to be needed at short notice. So make sure to have the notifications for the group switched on. Um, okay, do you have any idea, any any tips, guys, about contacting estate agents? Any information? Any, any, yeah, Rachel, have you got any tips? Yeah, I would say, number one, be confident and stand your ground. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you found this, but definitely as a young person, I don't get treated with the same level of respect, let alone a student going into an estate agent. And I think it's really important to remember that you have just as much right to rent any of the houses in there as Joe Bloggs from down the street who's married with three kids. Like your student status doesn't make you less of a candidate for somewhere. So don't be afraid, you know, if the estate agent is treating you badly and kind of, you know, glossing over things or not giving you the time of day, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and turn around and say, look, I have just as much right to be here as anybody else. I'm willing to give you money, you know, treat me with some respect. I'm going to take a slight detour off your point there. I completely agree with what you just said. I've never had that. I've never had a bad experience with landlords. They've always treated me like an adult. But I know they really do treat some students not like adults. And when you think about it, student houses do tend to be more expensive than your neighbour's houses, which are renting it. I mean, I know I can rent a house on my road, a whole house, for only only £100 extra a month than I'm renting for a room. So I can get a whole house for just a hundred quid extra, really. Um, and that brings me, have any of you ever rented a house which isn't on a student let? Anyone had experience of that? Rachel, I feel like he, she's nodding her head. Yeah, so actually funny you should say this because the flat that we're in at the moment is, mm. it was advertised for like commercial purposes. So basically I think they wanted like a couple or somebody who was yeah. working nine to five to come and move in. They specified, in fact, that they didn't want students and that's where standing your ground is actually really important because we had a few conversations with the estate agents and the landlord to say look yes we're students but we're not going to trash your house we want to be there we want to work we're in our third year like just trust us and that's why we ended up in the house that we're in at the moment because all our neighbors I know all of them now there's a really lovely lady across the road. There's a doctor above us. There's a couple of master's students. Like, it's a real mixed bag, but it's definitely not a student area where we're living at the moment. Um, and do you think that's cheaper? I don't think it's cheaper, but I don't think the difference in price is due to the non-student status. It's due to the location. Um, and I would also say on the same topic, in our contract when we initially got it, there was a line in there saying that because we were students, if there were any noise complaints made to the university about us, Uh, we would have to pay a hundred pounds per fee. Now, obviously that is where it comes to standing your ground because that's completely not fair. The university students sometimes get a bad reputation and that's a huge amount of money that could be racked up by an angry neighbor who maybe didn't like the fact we were students. So we, said to the estate agents look we don't think this is fair they shouldn't be in there like we have just as much right as anybody else so i'd say comes with swings and roundabouts really just do your research and stand your ground that's really interesting and did they take that off yeah so 
they completely understood our point. We were very professional about it. And they said, yes, of course. Okay, we'll take that line out. And they did. They were really good about it. That's great. Um, And Erin, have you got any tips for contacting estate agents or are you happy with what you said? No, I'm I'm pretty happy. Cool, cool, cool. Right. Let's move on to what to ask or look for when viewing a house. So top tip, make sure you're on time for the viewing. Now, I've had very different experience with this. I've always been on time. And I know a certain landlord is quite often late for turning up. And I think that can quite often be the case. And if they are, and if they are late, just give the just give the office a phone call. Quite often they're just very busy in the period of times, particularly around November, December time when the viewing is taking place. So that could be why. Okay, then um, that, that's the first tip. Let's go, I, I want to go to Aaron first. I, I want to ask you guys about top tips before I read out the ones we have on here. Do you have any top tips what to look for? Um, I think the main thing that I know we should have looked for when we moved in um, at the beginning of second year um, and that we did look for at the beginning of third year was mould and damp ah, because okay. it can get everywhere. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it was in, all on the inside of our cupboards, so all of our, our kitchen cupboards, so all the food was going off. Um, it was in that house. It was a really big issue and we were very, like, we were so focused on looking for that um when we were looking at this property now like we were looking at all the ceilings we were looking inside the cupboards we just because it just caused so many problems yeah. um i mean because i'm asthmatic as well so it wasn't great for me to be in that house um but yeah so it's just um i'd say that's sort of the big thing for me really yeah, I can tell you we've got mould just starting to grow in our ceiling in the bathroom. It wasn't there when we moved in. Not sure how it's getting there because our window is open. open. Yep, it's open all the time. And we have the extractor fan is pretty much on most of the time as well. So very, very suspicious. How, yeah, very suspicious. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not, the thing is, is if I do call the landlord up, I'm pretty sure they won't believe us that the window's been open. But I can assure you it, it really has been because it annoys me. It annoys me that it's always freezing in the bathroom. Erin, um, I'm sorry, not Erin. Rachel, any top tips? Yeah, so kind of similar to what we were talking about with the mould problem. Look for whether your house has single or double glazing because sometimes the problem with mould can be that actually the place is too cold and that the condensation causes the mould. So actually it's really important to have the heating on and to make sure that your house is well insulated. So that's where it's important to make sure that you've got double glazing rather than single glazing. Well, maybe that's why I've got mould in the bathroom because it's getting too cold. So, yeah, it's kind of, if it's too cold, you can get mould, or if it's too warm and, I don't know, you can get mould as well. So it's kind of finding that right balance. Um, But yeah, and then checking the windows the locks make sure it's all secure you want to be able to lock up and know that your possessions are safe when you leave yes very interesting right so we have some other top tips i need to cough so i'm just gonna play this we are always looking for new youth board members if you would like to join us send us a message at www.worldwideyouthradio.com forward slash contact there we go no one noticed (laughs) right here's some top tips make small talk to find out what the landlord is like as a person 
Now, this is a slightly different if you're a letting agent because they quite just send you any old person um, to come do the viewing. So that's slightly different. Ch- uh, look for small mold and damp, as we said. Check locks and doors, house alarms, fire alarms, carbon monoxide alarms. I think they are illegal. They, they, they all need to be there now. Um, and fire blankets as well. Look for washing machines, tumble dryers and dishwashers. Check they work as well. You know, I've never actually used a dishwasher. Um, I have no idea how to use them. Uh, run all the taps when looking around to check they work and check water pressure. This is a tip I wish we did because our hot water tap in the bathroom did not work in September. And they've only just come come out and fixed it in the past week. That is a massive top tip um, I, when looking. Check the taps. Um, I mean, it can be a bit odd, but do check them. Ask current occupants what it's like living there. Ask what the landlord is like. Ask how quickly breakages are fixed. can be a bit awkward with the landlord being there, but don't worry, you are in full right to do that, and don't feel awkward about doing it. Ask who's in charge of the garden, you or the landlord. Ask for additional keys. Uh, oh, sorry, are there additional keys? Do you like the room? Check storage space. Are you expected to furnish the house yourself, or is it already furnished? You can actually filter that on certain property websites you can ask what the cost of the housing deposit is like and ask for the cost of the deposit they can be quite expensive ask if there are other groups interested in how quickly you need to decide quite often though they will just lie lie about that and say that there is someone interested when there actually isn't but your choice if you want to act on that will you contact the estate agents or landlords directly Ask whether you need a guarantor or not. What is the arrangement if you're an international student? And does the landlord or pay for the Wi-Fi or TV license or both? Or or, or and do you need to have contents insurance? There's some of our top tips. And another one is just to make sure on a moving date. So once you've had a look around the houses, you need to decide on the house you like. So you can do this based on the vibes of the house. And answer the, from the answers from the questions in the previous step. You can decide which house you like the best. Then you can give the estate agent a ring or landlords once you have made your choice. Think each person who took you around the house and tell them your decision ASAP. Um, then, sorry, thank each person. This stage often requires you to act fast as if there's a lot of other students interested. Not many properties are available. So, everyone... When looking around a house, you've looked around them all. How would you decide which house you like the best? Um, I tend to go back home after seeing all of them. Mm-hmm. I like I like making lists, so I'm like, this is what I liked about it. This is what I didn't like, and then you sort of you do have some non-negotiables. It's like, no, I have to have this, and then if one house has it and one doesn't, generally that's the one you you should go for. I actually just had. I mean, backtracking a little bit, quite a funny story. Um, when my I was in my house last year, my landlord was doing a viewing and he was stood in my room with all the people that he was showing around and he, they were asking about the, um, I think it was about the TV and the Wi-Fi and he sort of started explaining it and then he went, that's right, isn't it? And turned to me and expected me to explain it to them. And it's like, oh, well... My- you're the landlord. You should know what's going on. <laughs> he had no clue. And do you think that's um, a bad sign? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know wh- who took it. There is definitely someone living in that house now. Um, but, yeah, so it's... <laughs> but, yeah, I tend to sort of make lists. And the main thing I have is I just I have a discussion with everyone. And if, if 
everyone decides together, then um, that is the best way, in my opinion. And what about you, Rachel? Yeah, so I kind of do the same thing. I make a list. I say, well, all the things that I absolutely need, does this house do that for me? But then also for me, a large part of it, because my course doesn't have a huge amount of contact hours and I'm at home quite a lot, Mm -hmm. especially at the moment, it's generally just the vibe of the house. Is it light and airy? Is it nice to be in? Or is it dark and dingy? At which point that would be a massive no. So I think the general feeling of what the house is like and the energy of the house, it definitely is up there with me. I'll tell you what a top tip I have. Going back to the previous steps, when looking around, take photos of the house or videos. I, I mean, sometimes you do need to check permission because obviously you are taking pictures of other people's um, stuff. Um, but I find it quite useful because sometimes when you look on the website, they take pictures from a certain angle to make it look better. So you can take pictures of whatever you like or take videos. Uh, just don't do what I did as I tried to suspiciously film so they didn't clock me filming because I thought it would be awkward. And I just literally just <laughs> they were literally just filming the backside of the landlord. So I just had a 15 minute video, which I because I, I was the only one going around the house and I just showed it. <laughs> to, to my house I was like okay I didn't realize that was all on there so don't do that don't do that do actually look at what you're filming uh okay I'm gonna rush through these next steps because I think they are pretty standard um but just interrupt me guys if you want to say something on them um okay so step number 10 is to take the property off the market you need to pay your holding deposit to take this off the market this is non-refundable if you don't go ahead and sign the contract you don't get the money back step 11 Receive, read, and negotiate the terms of the contract. Make sure you ask for a copy of the rental contract. Get your parents to read through it with you. Check with a professional. There's no hidden costs, and there shouldn't be. Check you can get out of the contract if you want to leave early. Normal tenancy agreements are fixed-term contracts, but some may have what is called as a break clause, in which allows you to terminate the contract under certain conditions. Check your rights. Read the Tenant Fees Act of 2019. This tells you what landlords can and can't charge you for. You are perfectly within your rights to ask for charges to be made to the contract, changes, sorry, to be made to the contract if you aren't happy. If your landlord refuses to make changes to the contract, you do not have to sign it and you can walk away. Never sign a contract you aren't happy with because it legally is legally binding. You may lose your holding project, project sorry, you may lose your holding deposit if you walk away at this point. After changes have been made, move on to the next steps. And this is quite important to read this through, especially when you come to the end of your contract, when you're looking to get your deposit back, because it's quite good to argue on some of, when well, appeal, on some of the things they want to take off you. I can tell you from experience, you can actually get a lot of money back if you argue them. Especially taking photo evidence when you're moving out is a very important step, I would say. I'll ask you guys about that in a second. Okay, step number 12. Get your guarantors sorted. Ask a relative or friend to be your UK-based guarantor. If you don't have a guarantor, this isn't an issue. Sometimes you just have to pay more up front. For example, six months rent up front instead. Once your guarantors are sorted, sign the contract. You may have to pay a £15 admin charge for a guarantor check. Step number 13. Sign the contract and complete the deal. Once any changes have been made to the contract, read it over again. When you're happy, sign away. 
Once everyone has signed, the contract is now legally binding and you officially have your house. Step 14, pay your deposit before the moving date. And step 15, move in and set up your utilities. This could be another podcast, <laughs> perhaps, maybe. Um, and that is all of our steps. Now, there's kind of a step 16 I think we should talk about. It's not necessarily getting a house. It's leaving the house at the end. How do you guys go about the deposit, getting it back? I'll go to Erin first. Well, ours, I I don't really have like a typical story because I left my house in March of last year just before the entire world shut down and everything went crazy. Um, so I, yeah, so I left my house in March and went home um, and stayed there until the end of my tenancy yep. agreement. Um, I was still paying rent even though I wasn't living there. Um, and in terms of our deposit, once the contract ended, we, the landlords had to go around and make sure everything was okay. And then they sent back um, what they were going to charge us on. Um, they were going to charge me 50 quid for leaving a pen under my bed. Oh, um, tell me about it. It's ridiculous some of the stuff they want to charge I you for. I was just like, are, are, like, are you kidding me? Um, so considering when we moved in, there were moths everywhere in the house it uh a pen surely is not going to cost 50 quid um but luckily i didn't have to spend that um so it's but yeah as i say because i moved out in march the main thing is when you move out make sure it is clean because they will pick you up on anything particularly the one i think the important one is just go to a home store spend the five quid on the oven cleaner it doesn't, it's not that hard. Just clean your oven because they do charge like 60 quid to clean the oven. Just do it. Okay, it might take a while, but it's it's better than that 60 quid uh, you get fined. And just make sure you clean the house. It's not that hard. And keep up on it the whole year. It's not hard. Um, Rachel, what about you? Yeah, so I feel like we could almost make a whole other podcast about moving out and what to do. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway, to kind of put it concisely, number one, when you move in, make sure that you check the inventory photos. So either the estate agents will provide you with photos or the landlord will, and they'll give you normally seven days after moving in to check that those photos reflect what you actually have. If they don't, again, you're perfectly within your rights to go around and take photos if they've missed the mould in the corner conveniently. Take photos of that and say, by the way, you missed this. This is what's here. Then I would also say, again, keep on top of the cleaning as you move in, as you go through the year. And the thing about the cleaning is landlords can't charge you for professional cleaning. If they do, they are you are perfectly within your right to contest that because they shouldn't be charging you for that. What they can enforce is making sure that you leave the property in a standard that you found it in. So you don't have to pay for professional cleaners in order for that to be the case if you know you can do a good enough job of cleaning. And then if you can then take photos at the end and say, look, this side by side with what I moved in with, with what I have at the end is exactly the same, then legally there should be no reason why they won't give you your full deposit back. And also going back a couple of steps, your holding deposit is different to your house deposit. So your holding deposit is normally a one week's worth of rent and is the money you pay, which takes the property off the market. And that money then, if you sign the contract, will go into your first month's rent. Your deposit is normally five or six weeks rent. And that's the big chunk of money that you put down as almost like an assurance that you're not going to damage the property. And provided you keep everything okay, you'll get that all back at the end. 
Interesting. Yeah, so the biggest tip is make sure you take photos when you leave. After you've cleaned it, after literally just before you're about to get in the car and head home, take photos of the house. Take photos of everything. Even video just going around all the cupboards. It's the best step to do because I tell you what, our landlord somehow miraculously found photos of a dirty bathroom after we cleaned it last year and we had photos to prove it was clean and we got that money back. Um, they, they claim it was a mix-up with the photos, but who knows? Who knows? Um, right, let's just move. We've done, we've done all the top steps. We're just going to move on to something else quickly about housing. Housing horror stories. Anyone had any housing horror stories? I'll go to Erin first. So mine's actually very recent. Oh, um, really, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to scare anyone with this. It's fine. It happens. So my and it doesn't happen it doesn't happen also as well it doesn't happen it does and it doesn't happen like it's one of those things in life Mm -hmm. um but also it is very rare Mm -hmm. so it's just me that all the rare things happen to i (laughs) guess i'm just unlucky so yeah my house got broken into on monday um and so well i say my house it was my room so my room is at the front of the house um and they used my window as the point of entry um, I found that they were in the house because I came to get <gasps> into my room and uh, we were in the house at the time. My door was locked from the inside. Um, so they broke into the house while you were in there? While we were in there. They saw two of my flatmates leave to go to Asda. Um, and then they, yeah, crowbarred the window open and climbed in, helped themselves to all my stuff. And yeah and they only left when we went out the front and started talking to them be like what are you doing but they legged it before we could really do anything so tips from that and things i have learnt: always 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 get contents insurance did you I lose need- anything oh yeah i lost about a thousand pounds worth of stuff <gasps> yeah oh so, so and it was my that. it was my 21st birthday a few days before and Happy all birthday. of my 20 20- uh, thank you all of my 21st jewelry has gone oh my god no yeah yeah it's and my bag my purse wow. with all my cards my rail card my student id so i had to tell my uni and be like yeah people can get into the uni now because i don't have my id my driving license everything why would they take that though oh because it was in my purse oh uh, okay okay so they took my purse to take my bag my airpods my, oh my god. Uh, yeah my all my jewelry um, so they weren't in here for very long because we disturbed them. So yeah, always get contents insurance. I am the only person in my flat with contents insurance and thank goodness I had it. Um, I have now also requested that my landlord put a motion sensing light outside my window because my room is set back than the front to the front of the house and it's in a very sort of dark corner. Yeah. So we're getting a light put there. And I also have an alarm on my window, which was £7 from Amazon. If you're worried, really cheap. It makes a very loud noise if anyone like knocks on the window or tries to get in. So and that will definitely send them running. Um, so, yeah, that's but my like my landlord this year has been so great about it. And as I say, like he's putting the light and he got my window fixed very quickly. Um, and he, he did come out on the night that it happened because it was a half eight on did you Monday call the night. police we did we called the police straight away yeah. the ambulance came as well and all the people in the flats above were like is everything okay yeah. <laughs> we're like not really um so hopefully they find oh they won't they won't find it it's it's that's the thing i mean as i say i'm glad i have uh contents insurance and actually a thing on insurance which i didn't know i don't know if i have a contents lot of, insurance 
get it. I don't know how I don't know how I know about it. Get it. So um, with contents insurance, a lot of the time you have to provide proof of ownership. Right. So if you have anything that's expensive, right. take a picture of it, and then you can say that this is this belongs to you. It's yours. Um, but I mean, the, like the thing is, none of us were hurt. It's just some items. You're taking pictures of things now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a couple of items. Well, I say a couple. It was a, a, a lot of items that were gone. The main thing is none of us are hurt. I'm okay. My window's fixed. And it's it, it it's just one of those things now. And it is what it is. And you do just sort of have to move forward. But I have taken precautions now to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and actually, if you are coming to uni, don't take stuff that is your most precious thing. Because it could get lost, it could get damaged, it could get stolen. Yeah, just just be sensible. Definitely, it's a good top tip. Um, do you think you're safer living then in a student accommodation like flats? Um, I would say my student accommodation was a lot safer than mm. the flat that I'm in now mm. because we had security at the door yeah. and you had to get in with a key card. Whereas, even though my window was locked and my blinds were shut someone still found a way in. Why, so, why do you think they went for your house out of all the houses on the road? I think because um, they saw my two flatmates leaving. Mm-hmm. The, As I say, my room is sort of a bit further away from the road. Mm. There's a car parked right outside my window. It's not my car, it's someone upstairs' car, right outside my window. And I think they knocked on the window a couple of times, thought, no one's in there, we'll just give it a go. That's oh, what the I'm, I'm going to be scared now. <laughs> <laughs> please don't be scared. Please don't no, be scared. No, no. It's, 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 very, it's very rare that this happens. It does it happen. Is. And touch wood, it doesn't happen again to any of us or you yeah. listening. Um, um, okay, I'm going to leave that now, Erin. I'm going to go on to Rachel. Any horror stories for you or have you been lucky? Not really. I mean, I wouldn't say horror stories. Mm. There have been a couple of times where... I've had estate agents or landlords say, this is what happens, this is what you're allowed to do, and they expect that you don't question it, and you go, actually, well, I've researched it, the law says this, you can't force me to do this, pay it up. It's just a case of, like, being confident and standing your ground. Um, On the theme of, like, what Erin said about property being stolen and stuff, I'd say make sure that if you have your lights on and it's dark, make sure you always shut your curtains and your windows because people can see in. If you have your lights on and you don't have your curtains shut, they can see everything in your room. So make sure if you have your lights on, you have your <laughs> curtains or your blinds shut so the people can't see in. I wish people and- could see this. <laughs> Throughout this, I've been taking photos, shutting the curtains. Um, also, what I would say, if you're going out and all of you are going out, make sure there's a light on or you can get timer switches make sure that there's some lights on in the house so it looks yeah. like the house is occupied, even if it's not. And if you've got valuables, don't store them in a really obvious place. Um, so I'd make sure, one, don't bring incredibly valuable possessions to university. I don't have anything valuable here. But also, number two, if there's anything which is like sentimental or like you'd be sad if it got lost or whatever, if you do have to have it with you, just store it somewhere that can't be seen if someone walks in yeah but yeah just sort of coming off from that the places that you think are safe like under your bed backs of the wardrobe don't do it that is the first place they will check Mm. so yeah just just putting that out there be creative 
Yeah, be creative. But let's not talk about those places on the radio because who knows? Some some wrong minds might be listening. Okay, we talked about negatives of student houses. What about positives? What's been your favourite thing, Erin, about living in student housing? Um, I think definitely this year it's been the people that I've been living with. We have just, I mean, we've really needed to sort of lean on each other because of the pandemic and everything. But it's nice. I can hear them all talking down the hallway. (laughs) It's nice that we all get on and we all, we can just spend time together and just focus on things that, that we want to do. And just, it's, I know that they're, I'm living with friends at the end of the day and we can, they're there if I need them or if we want to have a laugh or have a couple of drinks, like, we can still do that. Um, and I think, like, the people you live with is probably very important. And what about you, Rachel? I'd say the same. I've had so many funny moments living in student accommodation, and especially those moments, say, at 2am the day before a deadline, when you're all working on a deadline, you're all a bit tired and delirious, and someone says something funny or stupid in the kitchen and you're all in fits of giggles. Like, I just... I've never been in houses that have been more chaotic than student houses, but equally, I absolutely love it. Like, it's just so much fun. And does anyone else have any any tips they'd like to share before we wrap this podcast up? No. And that is it for today's podcast. Uh, we have been talking, or show, depends if you listen to it on the radio. We have been talking about student houses all about the top tips if you have and you are listening live and have missed any of them do go back onto our website or your favourite podcast provider to find out more about them we are always looking for new youth board members if you would like to join us send us a message at www.worldwideyouthradio.com forward slash contact all comments you have heard today are individual views and do not reflect the views of worldwide youth radio in any way well that is it for today's podcast thank you for listening until next time stay safe and we will see you then worldwide youth radio